Storm Bowling Products. The Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Michelle Mullen. Michelle is a USBC Gold Certified Coach. She also is a former coach of Team USA. Michelle bowled collegiately at the University of Illinois. Back in 1985, she was the Women's National Collegiate Bowling Champion. Michelle also has four PWBA titles, including one major. She has nine PWBA Midwest Regional titles and was also named from 1990 to 1999. She was a PWBA Midwest Regional Player of the Decade. Michelle also has two books. You can check those out. Names of those are The Bowling Fundamentals and How to Pick Up Spares. And if that's not enough, you can check Michelle out. She does coaching as well. And uh, don't forget to check her out in the Bowler's Journal International, where she uh, writes a column as well. So, Michelle Timberg here, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, Michelle, it's been a long time. I had you on way back when uh, the almost one of the, uh, the initial podcasts that I did on the Above180.com podcast. You know, since then, me and uh, Coach Casey of Klempkin here have started this Storm Collegiate podcast. Now, Steve, I think almost going on three years. So it's really great to catch back up with you and talk a little bit about, you know, doing some research. I saw you bowl collegiately at the University of Illinois. So I guess my, my question would be, what led you to bowl at Illinois? And then regarding college bowling, from when you bowled to where it is now, it seems like it's growing and growing. Did you ever think that college bowling would become as popular as it has been? You know, I don't know that I thought about it, but it's a great thing. And, I mean, even to this day, you know, beyond the bowling, you know, some of my best friends are still, you know, from the college days. I mean, it was great. But, you know, it was a weird story on how I, how I ended up going there because I didn't really start bowling till high school, and nobody in my family went to college. But um, somehow I got encouraged to, to try University of Illinois, and I went down there, and I took my bowling balls um, just because I wanted to have them with me so when I was studying I could practice or just bowl. And somebody said to me, hey, are you going to try out for the team? And I said, what team? And, and this is after we had won state in high school. I just didn't, I didn't think about it. And uh, from there I ended up trying out for the team. We ended up being third in the nation one year. So it was pretty incredible for that to be the case. Kind of a weird story on my end. So, but, uh, yeah, it's grown leaps and bounds, and I think it's just awesome for our sport. Now, what what did you find to be uh, you know your your favorite part or your favorite experiences about uh, about bowling in college? There's a lot of young people who are you know aspiring uh, to join a, a collegiate team, and and what what are what are some of the reasons why somebody should consider that? Oh, you know the competition. You know you get to travel. Um, you know all of that is great stuff, and especially at that age, you know, and in a camaraderie. I mean, the people that I hung out with in school were my bowling buddies. So. Like I said, uh, you know, some of my deepest friendships, greatest friendships are from the from college days. So I think for all those reasons, you know, it's just a great thing to do. I, I loved collegiate bowling. So, Michelle, one of the things you do now in helping bowlers to get into, you know, to get their game to where they think it needs to be when they bowl collegiately is you're a, a USBC Gold Certified Coach. So how have you had to adapt and change some of your coaching techniques over the years with the inception of two-handed bowling and just really the, you know, the power game just taking, taking effect in, in the men and even the women? 
Well, you know, being flexible in, in your techniques, but also, you know, kind of get in the bowler's head to see how they're thinking. And there's still some timeless principles that, you know, still help bowlers of all skill levels, no question about it. But, you know, the timing zones have changed a little bit, you know, not so textbook. And so you got to, you know, open up to that. But, you know, even there, you know, they, you still want bowlers to hit timing at the, you know, hit the line with leverage. And, and so you strive to do that. And everybody needs just a little bit different leverage based on how they release the ball. But, um, you know, I, I, again, I think you just kind of got to talk to the bowler and, and meet them where they're at to, to fill their need. And that's always a challenge. And I just absolutely love it. Now, as far as coaching goes, um, you know, when we're looking at how a little bit of what Tim was kind of hitting on and how the, the game has evolved a little bit, I mean, what do you think of as a coach when you see, like, in the most recent U.S. Open, you know, where we had uh, some of the, you know, the highest rev rates and even, the, you know, the two-hander like Sean Maldonado, for example, is that something that you're seeing as, as being a growing thing in our sport and do you embrace it or does that kind of go against maybe your tradition? Well, I mean, it certainly isn't tradition, but it doesn't mean it's not right or it's not for me to judge, and I think it's here to stay, and I think that you're seeing many more two-handed bowlers and, and such. It's, it's, you know, catching all the rave, and, you know, Jason Belmonte has everything to do with that, and he's very much admired, and, you know, people try to emulate these players, and so, you know, some of them are picking up from the first time they bowl, and when they see their ball hook more, so it's kind of hard to talk them out of it. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what effect it's going to have you know, on the body after doing it so many years. I don't understand it well enough to know that, or we don't know. But, you know, bowling, we coaches have been at it for a long time. We've, we've, we've always had to kind of learn on the fly, and it's just another example of something that we're learning and watching and observing and, and helping them out, you know, the best we can and, and you know, getting better at it as we do it. So, um, and, you know, it's just And you studied uh, kinesiology. Stu- sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. You, uh, you studied kinesiology in school, didn't you? Oh, I sure did, you know, so I, and, I, and I know that that helps me. You know, people say to me, well, does your degree help you in coaching? I, I, I don't know how it couldn't because it's just a part of how I think and understanding movement, but it's still a foreign movement to me. You know, one of my senior projects was, was doing digitizing of the bowling motion, but it, it's still different with the two-handed, right? So, um, yeah. you know, but in observing it and watching it, you know, you still pick up the things that, that are going to help them that, you, you know, you see the better players doing, and that certainly helps. Yeah, so what tips do you have for someone who's looking to find a bowling coach? And then a question that I get asked all the time, either via email or on social media, is can, can I have a bowling coach who's long distance? Does it matter that it's not someone I go down to my local house and, and have them watch me and, and put their eyes on me in person as opposed to video or what have you? It, it's, a, it's a really great question. Um, you know, and it's the same thing when I'm writing my books. You know, you're talking to the masses and you're, you're not having necessarily an interaction and that has its own challenges as a writer. Um, and, and it's the same thing in coaching long distance or coaching through video is that you don't have that interaction with the player. You're not able to touch them. You're not able to kind of feel their swing and stuff like that. So, it, you know, there's nothing like having the coach right there. But, you know, having said that, I, I just did a video lesson for somebody, and I, you know, gave, I told because you don't know how they're going to apply what you're saying. And so I told him everything I saw, and I, you know, and this, and he got right back to me. He's, oh my gosh, I just bowled fantastic. I never, and I, I didn't know that that would be the result because I didn't know how he'd interpret what I was saying. But I guess it can be done, um, I, you know. But I think the very best thing is to have hands on and face to face, you know, very physical, you know, to touch the bowler and be able to see, you know, what what their swing feels like and stuff. But you know, it helps. But you know, some coaching is better than none, right? 
Yeah. And, and you mentioned in there uh, about your books. Now, I think one of them is called Bowling Fundamentals. Is that right? And you said a couple books that you've written? Yeah. So my, my first book, they asked me to update uh, it because I wrote it like in 2004, I guess it was. And they, they asked hmm. me to, and it's funny, you talk about how much the game changes because they, they told me it's going to be a second edition. So if you just want to kind of change 30% of it, that'd be great. Well, I rewrote the whole book. And Mm-hmm. Um, I find it far better than the first one. And it's just that there's so much that's changed in the game, I couldn't just change 30% and live with that. So I rewrote that, and at the same time I wrote um, a mini book on how to pick up spares. And, um, you know, they're fully illustrated for, for lefties and righties, and um, so, you know, hopefully people out there are, are getting better because of that. Yeah, and you also write a piece for the Bowler's Journal International, and you talk about missing uh, and how to help someone pick up the corner pins and it's funny because I, before I read the article, I, one of the things I had in my mind is, oh, well, it's just mental that a person can't make those corner pins. They have it right in their head that they can't do it. But you address that right away in the article. So talk about that. Yes, and I did. How it is not a mental thing in, in most sorry, cases. It's funny you picked that up because, I, you know, I, people are so quick to say it's just mental. I just don't get it. But then when you watch them, you'll see if they have one of those three flaws, you know, whether it's their swing or their angle or just ball reaction, that it isn't mental. It's that. So I think once you dispel those three things and, and those are solid among the player, yeah, then it's a little bit mental, you know, but um, I, so often it isn't. It, there's just something they're not doing physically to get it, you know. It's almost like, you know, thinking back to a little bit of time I did uh, as a tour rep when you talked about that mental, and, um, you know, it seems like if you do have a little bit of pressure, so it, it maybe it exposes, you know, someone's, like, flaws as far as the swing and stuff like that. And, uh, when, you know, just the time working on the, uh, the men's and the women's tour way back when, um, I got to say it was really impressive to see how many of them, you know, when we're looking back in the days of the match play and, and the 30 bonus pins they used to get, if somebody needed a double in the 10th uh, to win the 30 bonus pins, I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, uh, they got it, and they had, you know, in my opinion, the very best, you know, the swing plane and the timing and body position. Um, whereas if you have some of that stuff off and you have a little bit of pressure and grip pressure that affects your swing and your shot, it, you're not going to strike when you need it. Uh, brilliant points, and I say that in the lessons. You know, one of our models that we use a lot is, is Kim. Uh, it was Kim Terrell, Kim Kearney now, but um, find her very easy to learn from, and that is one thing I say to people all the time is that, you know, as is, is beautiful as her game looks and, and how nice, in, you know, it is to emulate that type of swing. What you have to think about is how much she trusts that swing in the heat of the battle, which is just another level of mental play. And, you know, she doesn't miss. And that's just where it's very inspiring to the players we coach. So I, great points. Yeah, so Michelle, with the, you know, back on, on the original, uh, I guess we'll call it that, the PWBA Tour, you know, you were quite the champion. In fact, I looked it up and you were the, the player of the decade in the Midwest region, which is saying something in that uh, region of very talented bowlers. But what was your thought when the, you know, this coming up here on the third season again of the PWBA Tour and it's, it's kind of reincarnation and what are, what are you seeing out there from the ladies on tour? Oh, I just, you know, I think these ladies are, you know, obviously dedicated. I mean, you know, there's just, you know, they're anxious to bowl. There's a lot of youngsters, and, I, you know, people seem a little more fit to me, um, valuing, you know, all of that, uh, you know, working out and fitness and all that. You know, very just fundamentally sound players, and I, I think that the collegiate bowling has a lot to do with that. Um, you know, player high school bowling, even, if you want to get into that. I mean, that's been great for our sport. And, you know, getting people into it. And then, you know, they aspire to that next level. And now we've got the pros back, which is fantastic. Um, and on that note, you know, we're, we're giving a lot of clinics to high school bowling teams. 
and you know, one of the thoughts behind high school bowling is that if people don't bowl by the time they're in high school, the likelihood of them bowling as an adult is like slim to none. Well, I can't tell you how many kids, when they're introducing themselves uh, in in the classes, there there'll be a, a junior in high school saying, "Oh, I've been bowling for three years," or you know, a sophomore, "I've been bowling for two years." I mean, it's working because they're, mm. they've been bowling the length of time that they've been in high school, and this is a great groundswell, I think, for our sport. Tell us, uh, tell us, Michelle, too, a little bit about uh, about your charity. I think that's uh, that's a tremendous thing that you're doing there. Why don't you tell the tell the audience about that? Oh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, Alita and I, you know, we, we use our platform um, to raise money and be a voice for animals in need. Um, the, the, the need is great, and it's a cause we're very passionate about. Um, we have a whole team of volunteers, and we meet year-round, and we plan our, uh, it'll be now our 12th annual Bowl for Animal Rescue. And it's an event in August, and we have an online pledge drive at bowl4animalrescue.org. And in the first, uh, let's see, the first 11 years, uh, we have raised uh, over $325,000, and we give 100%, Whoa. Yeah, 100% of what we raise. So it's, it's, it's a work of love. So any support anybody could ever give would be fantastic, knowing that all their money's going to help animals. So it's really it's, it's awesome. You can find that information on our website, too, where we're uploading now uh, for, for the upcoming year. Well, yeah, and where was that at? You said again, as far as the website. Yeah, so the website is um, we have a dedicated website that goes live um, during the pledge drive, which is June, leading up to the August bowling event, the actual event that's here in Farmington Hills, Michigan. But um, it's our our website is bowl number four animalrescue dot org, so it's bowl for animalrescue dot org, and that reroutes to our website at yourbowlingcoach.com dot com in the off uh, in the off months. So either way, you could get the information at either website. Sounds great. And we're going to have a link too as well in the description to this podcast so folks can go there as well because um, that's one thing. Thank all you. three of us are pet owners. You know, we rescued a, a beagle and uh, we all have dogs. Awesome. And um, and yeah, I think um, it's a great way and it's a great way that we can give back. And like you said, the key is, um, you know, there's no, no overhead and 100% goes back to the uh, local animal charities, which is always a good thing. Now, I want to hit on one thing because Steve, it was a you know, maybe a month or so back, we interviewed uh, Ben Canfield, who, you know, bowled at ASU and now is, is coaching at uh, Grand Canyon. And he was the same way. He said he didn't pick up a ball until he was a junior. Now, as a guy who started when I was, you know, could barely walk, does that, does, does he have kind of some, I don't know, a little bit of some benefits? Because he doesn't, he's, he right away gets a, the proper fit, so he doesn't pick up a house ball that probably, or, he, you know, aside from the you know, once he decides he wants to be serious, he has the proper fit, you know, drilled hopefully, and is able to get right into things, whereas someone who's maybe starts when they're younger and might not have, you know, the, the right grip or the right fit or the right, span, you know, any of that stuff, and it could kind of hurt them throughout their life. Do you see any benefits in someone starting later? You know, I, I guess you could look either way, and I think it just depends on the opportunities as presented. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm a lot like him in that I bowl like randomly with my grandpa on Sundays when I was little, but I, I was never in the junior leagues like he. You know, I, I started because my, my team started a team, my school started a team when I was in high school, and I said, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah, I went to school with Jerry Edwards. You know, she and I were on the same team, and I'm thankful they started it because I wouldn't have done it if not, right? And um, But, you know, then progressing through college. So I don't know. I mean, you know, as long as he is having access to, you know, good ball fit and, and good coaching and things like that, I, I think it's awesome. And, and, you know, the flip side is some people have been at it a long time, have it in their blood, and they've been practiced, and they've been developed a little bit more. But, 
you know, if, if, if you're pretty athletic and you start later, I mean, that was my case. I was athletic. It was just the last sport I tried. I think you have a little bit of an edge getting into it. So I think it's just different, and it's just a great sign that, you know, bowling could be for anybody. And the uh, last question I have for you, Michelle, is what would you, uh, what would you recommend tip-wise? You know, we have a lot of younger listeners that uh, are trying to figure out, you know, this time of the year, um, really kind of trying to hone in on what kind of a, a university they should go to if they're trying to figure out what kind of a team. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for them, those that are trying to figure out what to do about uh, college and where to go and how to pick the right school? Yeah, you know, it seems like the lot, there's a lot of information out there, and it's ever-changing. I know that bowl.com, you know, is a good source of information, you know. And then I think, you know, just doing, you know, go online, search out the schools. I do think that your, your education comes first. So, you know, you want to seek out a school that is good at what you, what you want to study. And then at that point, you know, that helps narrow down the selection. And I think you contact the coaches, ask, him, ask for information, you know, we make videos for uh, for players who are aspiring to go to school so that they can show coaches, you know, how they bowl. I mean, that's nice for them, too. And I also think that um, I think that fitness gets underestimated. Um, I think that, you know, being physically fit is both good physically and mentally for your bowling. And I think that's helpful and definite, um, you know, definite help uh, when you're when you're trying to, you know, bowl in college. So even high school. All right, my final question is I saw that you coached the Team USA back in, uh, in the 90s, 94, 95. And, a few years ago. Uh, yeah, a few years ago, and, and also a few <laughs> years ago, looking at a couple of what I believe were some of your students back then, uh, one of them would have been Chris Barnes and uh, Liz Johnson. Talk about those two as younger players. It looks like Chris would have been like a, a freshman coming into, uh, into college or, or uh, you know, and everything, but talk about... Those two players, when they're younger years, and where obviously where they are right now in their game. Oh, it, they're just amazing, amazing players and individuals. I just remember, you know, with Chris, I'd watch him practice, and I, you know, I'd lend what I could to him. He he was always a hard worker, and I, you know, when we get the, the competitions that I did coach, you know, I just would kind of be there to just talk him through, or you know, talk him down or up whatever he needed. But, you know, he was pretty self sufficient even then. Um, and Lizzie, you know, what can I say? I mean, she, you know, she ended up being my roommate out on tour. You know, she's a dear friend of mine. But, you know, I'm just taken by her her passion for the sport to, you know, one day I was talking to her on the phone years back, and, you know, this is when she didn't have the women to bowl with anymore. You know, the, the men were the option. And, you know, she just says, Nick, I got a bowl. All I know is I got a bowl. And, and just her tenacity to go out there and bowl among the men and carry her own and, you know, command respect, um, which she's always managed to do. She's just, you know, such a, an, an amazing person. Um, my head is off to her. When I see what she's doing and traveling and staying true to it, it's been good to her and she's been good to it. And I, I'm just, I'm completely amazed by her, just completely amazed. I, I think she's fantastic what she's done. And tenacity, I mean, that's something as, as great of a coach as you are, it's probably pretty hard to teach tenacity. You got that right. I think that, you know, that's just something within that she's tough, you know, and she's 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 just very strong, very strong individual to 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 do what she does and travel the world over and, you know, be competitive. I mean, she's competitive and that that comes from within. There's no doubt about it. Awesome. And maintains that physical fitness, you know, which would almost be impossible, you know, without that. That is right, and she's uh, she's a uh, uh, great about that. Um, that's always been a priority for her, and it shows. You know, her body's holding up for her to do what she's doing and to be good at it.
All right. Well, thanks so much, Michelle. Appreciate you having you on, and uh, definitely want to wish you the best and uh, keep up the good work with the charity. That's great stuff. And then as far as the coaching and uh, and, and uh, all the listeners out there, to yourbowlingcoach.com. Uh, has a lot more great information and tips and uh, be able to follow Michelle and, and to hopefully book a lesson with her one day. So thanks again, Michelle, and I look oh forward to having you on again. Oh, such a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys, and Merry Christmas.